right, girls and guys, let's get together and do a Debbie's way. Stand up straight now, legs wide apart, and swing both arms up over your head, right and down. Okay. Welcome to Interrogation. <laughs> that was a slow welcome. Uh, welcome! Welcome! Uh, it's Sex, Sex and Death, Death podcast. podcast. Synchronization. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I'm Judy. She is... Leslie. Woo! And today our guest is... Rambo. What? <laughs> we always stare at the person too long until they realize we're not going to say their name. We're like... That's fun. I'll say it again. I'm Rambo. Super cool. Ooh, Do you want to scooch a little closer? Just since, Absolutely. Since this mic isn't um, sometimes the best at picking up voices. Yeah. Uh, What's up with you, Rambo? Not too much at all. Had my first therapy session today. Mm-hmm. Talked about sex to a stranger. It's fun. Yeah. I'll do it again. Yeah. This is a good time. You're doing it right now. Yeah. It's happening right now. But it's fine. Just living that yeah. Bloomington life, waiting on uh, something to happen again. Anything at all. How long was your session for? About an hour. Cool. Yeah. No. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Unlimited Waterman? Who wouldn't? Oh, yeah. We were talking about this off air and Rambo was like, there's a couch and a nice blanket and unlimited water. They like drew all the blinds just for me. Like, oh, this guy clearly doesn't like light. He's pale as can be. (laughs) No light. All right. This is great. It's just really endearing because those are all things that you could really easily do for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to pay someone $140 an hour for it. Whoa! Oh, welcome to the American healthcare system. Holy That's shit. before insurance. Shit. I don't know what it's going to cost. I really need to go to cabs. That was part of it. Is yeah. that I'm, yeah. I'm anxious and I'm telling this person I'm anxious knowing they're going to take my money because I'm anxious and I'm yeah. not sure how much it's going to cost. So it's just kind of in a circle. Yeah. How much yeah. is this going to cost me for being afraid? Yeah. But I guess some psychiatrist, some therapist, they say you need to be willing to spend the money or it doesn't work. Yeah, they would say that though because, <laughs> because they get the money. Yeah. 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 It's their money. Um, let's do rapid fire questions. Oh, uh, wait, it was good. Leslie's birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. Happy birthday, Ooh. Leslie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to everyone who made my birthday super special. But because was... me, I did nothing. Julie did nothing. No, no, you sent me a text. So sweet. Um, I had the best birthday. Good. I had the fucking best birthday. I'm still riding on a high from it. Good. Um, hopefully this doesn't bring it down. Am I right? Oh, did you get any cool presents? <laughs> I did get some cool presents. Uh, I got some flowers. I got a Miley Cyrus record. Excellent. Um, I got some chocolates. I got some tequila shots. It was great all around. Did you go to a bar for your birthday? Yeah. It was, I of course, went to Pint Night, so I went to Bishop. The Bishop. Great choice. Yeah. And I went to Comedy Attic before. Nice. And I saw a man who I'd say is about 70 talk on stage for five minutes about his testicles. Mm. Was it fun? So, no, it was not funny. I've got bad news about the testicle talk, y'all. What? Sorry, remember that was a suggested talking point for me. To talk about testicles? Vasectomy. Happy birthday. That's what Thanks. I'm trying to say. Here. Yeah, thank you. It was it was the best day. Heckin' yes. Yeah, I feel so loved. Uh, okay, rapid fire questions. Hit me. Uh, name? Uh, Rambo. Age? 26 and a month. Cool. Mm-hmm. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Uh, I can't stop looking at Julie. Okay. Pricking herself with a safety pin. <laughs> I guess... It's intense. Sorry. You can keep doing it. You can keep doing it. Uh, 
What's the other questions? I, Occupation? I am a graphic designer. Cool. And I am a graphic designer. Um, <laughs> graphic mean, designer joke. I didn't get it. I did like, I'm violent. Oh my god. I vote you in. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I make boxes for a living. I work at a paragraph factory. That's what I do for a living. Really? I mean, more or less. Okay. A whole bunch of letters come my way. I put them in the right order and that's how they go. That was depressing. It is. <laughs> Gender identity and sexual identity? Gender identity is male. Sexual identity, bisexual. Two on the Kinsey scale. Cool. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I, uh, I've up. kissed dudes before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is I, it based on the skill, based on your experiences? Uh, or it, what you want to do? It can be. It's kind of open for interpretation. But basically, if zero is, I'm 100% cisgender heterosexual, and the only thing that's ever appealed to me is a heterosexual relationship or romance with a 100% female uh, acquaintance, that's zero. Six is I'm exclusively homosexual and I only think about the same sex where two is like, you know, I'm still kind of hetero, but it's not just a one night stand for me. I frequently mm. spend time outside of that normal space thinking about, wow, same sex, pretty mm -hmm. attractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what is your status right now? Are you married? I am Dean? in... A committed relationship with a wonderful person of about two and a half years. Cool. Uh, we're both bisexual, and so it leads to pretty cool conversations whenever it's like we're out in public and there's a particularly attractive individual of, let's just say, no gender in particular. And it's mm -hmm. like, we can both stand back like, damn, what mm -hmm. a cool person. Mm -hmm. Is that what you do when I get in the bar? Pretty much. <laughs> I was just going to make that joke. I'm going to be like, see, guys, have both noticed me as I sit here really sweaty. You guys are going to make me. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Okay. The answer might I, surprise you. <laughs> if it's no, it will surprise us. <laughs> Ow, that was a hard smack. Uh, surprise question, Julie. I'm a bit drunk. Oh, off this one glass? I haven't been drinking for two weeks anyway. Oh, awesome. Um, I'm gonna go you. get the gin and tonic. Fuck, kill, marry. Okay. Roman Reigns, oh. AJ Styles, oh. The Rock. Oh, wow. You did your research. I'm an avid professional wrestling fan, so I want to make sure I know this. Uh, fuck, Mary Kill, AJ Styles, Roman Reigns, The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely that kill is Roman Reigns. I'm, <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you you fuck asked him. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, fuck, man. You gave me an or, not and or. Okay. Uh, this is a situation in which I would kill Roman Reigns. <laughs> he's been a thorn in my side for too long as a heel in the WWE But uh, he's universe. so hot. They're all hot. No, he's especially hot. Not my hot. Okay. Uh, Roman Reigns, I would definitely kill. Uh, as for the fuck versus Mary, this is really tough. Would you fuck or marry The Rock? Uh, I hate to say it, I think he's marriage material. Yeah. He is okay. an outstanding individual. I have a question about this. So me. me and Kyle were talking. He thinks in fuck, marry, kill, it means if you get married, you're not going to fuck them and you're only going to have an emotional relationship with them. Well, I think if you get married, you're having an emotional relationship and you're fucking multiple times. Yeah, I could see can, that. Okay. I could see that. I've never been married before. So I've I got mean, to take well, it from the other side. Well, he's trying to do it in the three realms, right? Like kill... Uh, Sexual. No, emotional. in my head, it's like in my head, it's like you can have sex with them, but also like when you're seventy and you may not want to have sex, you're fine spending time with yeah. them. Yeah. And also like, 
And so you know how like the people you have the best sex with are the worst people? Oh my god, yes. It's, right? <laughs> it's so so <laughs> someone popped in my brain right away. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Ugh, yes. And but I, what I'm trying to say here is I definitely fuck AJ Styles. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what? The difference between the fuck and Mary to me is that with Mary you have to deal with their in-laws. And I really think that The Rock is better in-laws than AJ Styles. I agree with you for right. for the Mary, but yeah. I would definitely fuck Roman Reigns. Of course. Yeah. No. AJ Styles. Right? He has shit taste. Type Roman Reigns he, now. He's got his, AJ Styles is cool because uh, he has his own name tattooed Excuse on his me? Excuse me? <laughs> Wouldn't you fuck fucking Roman Reigns? Roman he, Reigns. I don't love muscles. I mean, you can tell it's not by even muscles at this point. <laughs> now, see, it's weirder to me, too, because Roman Reigns and The Rock are related. So to say it's like, oh, I would marry they The Rock, are? but I'd kill yeah, Roman Reigns. Is like, something, that yeah. would be a horrible stipulation. Like, congrats, I married you and killed your nephew. Cousin, oh, wow. whatever, nephew. Oh my god, you guys, look at these pictures of them together. They're so hot. The I mean, Rock is fucking just... Can we do co-fucking? No, that the, would be too much. That's too strong. Tag team fucking. That's too, that's too much. Yes. The Rock? His name, the rock is, his no, name the rock. is The Rock. The Rock, the rock so is his penis. And he seems like a sweetie. <laughs> the Rock sounds like he would just like hug you to sleep or something. Yeah, that's yeah, Crispin Wong. Yeah, he's usually sweet. Oh, let me Google The Rock with puppies. Do it. Sorry, like, I'm excited. But you have shit taste. Uh, AJ Styles. AJ Look Styles. at this! There's a photo of him in the water with puppies. Part of why I would also say fuck AJ Styles is that at a pay-per-view last year, he ripped his pants. And you could see a part of his ass that was not just like, oh, common billboard territory, but like deep inside. You saw his anus? Of, not his anus. It was close. <laughs> it was It was oceanfront property during a pay-per-view. <laughs> he had ripped his pants. And I'm like, well, I feel more... Sexually attached to AJ Styles by default now, having seen that. <laughs> good, good to know. Now we can keep on going. So, uh, can we start? Do we have questions? Can I start? So, well, first, do you want to start by talking about sex or not? Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, do you want to finish on a happy note or do you want to finish on a sad note? Don't answer my we question with a question. Okay, let's start with death. Okay. Let's definitely start with death. Cool. No, too late. I had a sex question. Well, well. Save it. Nothing. So you thankfully gave us topics. Do you want to start by talking about your dad? Or do you want to start by talking about something more light? Like the death pool game I curate about dead celebs. Yeah, okay. Well, let's just start into that. What does that even <laughs> yeah, okay. mean? We just kind of okay. did it, though. Okay, everyone's got these, like, game. Internet life is weird. Can I just throw that out there? You live in a time where yeah. your main communication is just, like, clicks, likes, and faves, and whatever. Uh, so I am an, mm -hmm. on I'm an online uh, commissioner. Not unlike fantasy football or whatever, of a celebrity death pool. And for the past two years, I've invited people over to my shanty, my apartment, where my hostel, wherever I live. And we have a draft night on New Year's Eve. And you pick a party of people down the board of who's going to die the calendar year. And part of it is kind of serious. Like this year, I picked David Rockefeller, 101, four heart transplants. He died in March. Like that was a good pick. And then we'll have people as a joke pick, like, like in 2016. Yeah, people will pick, right like... Right now, you could pick random people and they would die. Yeah, every, so last year someone picked Prince. Right someone yeah. picked <gasps> Prince last year and we hated them. <gasps> so then what did it, what did this person get for actually getting Prince dead? Well, we have an end-of-year points ceremony. It's kind of like Mario Party. If you have all <laughs> the dead people in the year, you win. 
but it, like that person in particular got booed. It's just like, how dare you oh. pick someone? It's like when Gene Wilder died, when David Bowie died, when Lemmy Kilmister died. Those were all picks, and we're looking around like this. Wait, people pick those people? Yeah, they got points. You, you guys need to stop because it's because You're of you that people it. are dying. You need to stop. Sorry. So, so I have two Don't questions. put me on that fucking list. Now that I'm a celeb. Oh, right. <laughs> so I have two questions. Yeah. One, how did this start? Uh, this is not something I created. It's been going on a while. Um, the most, as much as I hate to admit, this guy's in charge. Uh, Joe Rogan leads a celebrity annual group called The Death Pool. And you can, like, pick on a fantasy. Or whoever gets the most points wins. I decided to localize it to ten of my weirdest friends. We get together. I dressed as the Grim Reaper on New Year's Eve last year. Like, 2016 is almost over! Yeah. But who will last next year? Of course you would do yeah, that. Yeah, it was fun. Um, but that's how I got it going. Uh, part of it was also coping with my father's death. We'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. Where it was just like, you know, you could go tomorrow. You may have to buy a bus. Might as well keep score. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. fun. Uh, can I backtrack it for a second? Mm -hmm. How do you guys know each other? We forgot <laughs> about that. Okay. I was a student in Julie's <laughs> class. My sophomore That's year. That's right, students. We will interview you as well. Eventually. Five students. years later, <laughs> it will happen. Five years. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it was a class more or less on rituals, of kind of about the occult. It was really, really fun. Covering The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. Cool. I just wanted... I thought that's how you guys knew each other, but I wasn't yeah. totally sure. Yeah. Um, to take it back to the death thing... Yeah. What uh, two celebrity deaths do you feel have affected you most? Uh, are you talking about ones I've picked or ones other people have picked? Just in general. What? The first one was Prince. Mm -hmm. Because not only was it picked as a gag, but the person who picked it jumped out of the death pool that year because they thought it was too morbid for them. And then they picked Prince, who died, and we all felt personally upset that they weren't willing to commit. Like, hey, you killed Prince. Yeah. And it's weird did. to have a friendship where, like, you individually killed Prince. Man. Can we say their name on there so that they would be killed by the whole world? No. Unfortunately not. I... Ugh. Sorry. So, why did Prince's death affect you, though? It was so really... Because so many people our age say that. We learned in the death pool that... Uh, this isn't a game where you can just hit the reset button and suddenly, ha ha, you're back in 2006 again and people like Amy Winehouse are still alive. It's like, no. My dad predicted the death of Michael Jackson. Nice call. Mm -hmm, right, he should play with you. Michael Jackson actually died the day I took my official orientation tour of IU. I believe you can look it up. It's June 22nd, 2009. It's a sign. It's a it was sign, 100 degrees that day on campus. Mm hmm. I remember that. Yeah, I got tickets for his show in London, and my dad was like, why did you get tickets for that? He's gonna die. I'm like, what? Shit. And he did. Fuck. Keith Richards, last two years, you'd think he'd be a first-round pick, has gone in the last round every year. People believe in Keith Richards. Is Keith uh, Richards dead? No! Oh. He's alive and kicking, but I'd say the other person that really, really got to me uh, on some sort of level was Gene Wilder. Gene, Gene Wilder was just so sweet, and you'd hate anything to happen to that guy. And when he went in the same year that Donald Trump was really arising in, like, the year where everyone can be mean and that was the new normal, we lost Willy fucking Wonka. Mm -hmm. And I knew at that point, like, all bets were off for the rest of the year, and I really got sad about that. <laughs> Do you ever feel like 
celebrity deaths affect you guys more than deaths you know in real life? No. No? It depends on the person. Because we create, like, this idealized version of who they mm. are. You know, like, they're the best person when... You know, it's hard to say <clears throat> because I've had 90-year-old distant old relatives that kick it in the middle of the night. And it's like, oh, glad they're out of their misery. And then you have someone like... uh say, a young rock star die at age 27, you're like, but they had so much great stuff left. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always, like, it's so sad. Like, when you see someone young, like, Chris Cornell, or, like, Prince, they die kind of young, and they die for very sad reasons. That's where I'm like, fuck, like, we idolize all these people that are actually not doing okay. Yeah. And Robin we put Williams. all this pressure. Yeah, well, this dude is, like... The big one, yeah. Yeah. And it's sad. That's the the part that's sad for me. But other than that, yeah. yeah. So that's the death pool. I'm in the lead so far this year. I'm in the lead halfway through. That will be July first. And uh, this year I picked uh, David Rockefeller, age one hundred and one. And I also believe I picked Chuck Berry. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. That would be a bummer. Yeah, he's gone. He's dead already. What? Oh, oh see, this <laughs> this happens in the group because people. <gasps> Yeah, Chuck Berry's dead. Oh. Well, I guess it wasn't that big of a It was like, what, a month ago? It was, yeah, it was like March or April. Yeah, it was, it was there recent. There was someone, whose else recent death or have they been talking about? Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. No, where Chuck Berry. her toxicology report just showed up or something. Oh, fucking uh, Harry Lila. Fisher. Yeah. I didn't even know she was dead. Sorry. Oh, dude. <laughs> this I is another like, part of the death pool I love report. is that you get people that's like I didn't know they were a thing and it's yeah. like oh you missed out mm -hmm. yeah you missed out now you gotta deal with that all over again sometimes there are people I think are dead and they're not and I'm confused I'm like wait I thought <laughs> I they thought were... Mr. T's been dead since 2002 oh, yeah. <laughs> he's still Actually, around just two days ago did that with Noam Chomsky I was like he's dead <laughs> he should be dead Oliver no was one like, cares no he's not and I was like, he should really? be dead <laughs> that's it we got a lot of um, vengeful too like people pick Dylan Roof it's like yeah Fuck that guy. Can we can we can we maybe hope that Donald Trump would be can I say that on air? He said that he would hope that they found the Comey tape. So I as his defense, we can say I hope that he gets what's coming to him. He's such an idiot. He was picked by my partner this year in the death pool. Wow. And I think that was the one that made everyone stand up and clap. Mm. And I'll just say that. She's a star man. He doesn't Let's not go into politics. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. I can hop around from sex to death or death to sex. Anything in between. Us too. Oh, I don't know why I said it like that. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about your dad? I would like that. Did yeah, I was you... trying to make a smooth transition. Oh, yeah. I'm obviously not into that. You just that. hit me with it. So, yeah. did you um, talk about your dad and your therapy appointment today? I did. It was yeah. a lengthy part of my therapy session. And I will give people the nuts and bolts because so many people will use a, and rightfully so, use a chance about this to really make their biography apparent. That's not me. Long story short, on a fateful day in 2009, I came home from school. I was on the computer, MySpace, like any teenager would do. My dad comes home from top work. Top eight. Yeah. My dad was on my top eight. Fun fact. He had a MySpace. He, <laughs> he still does. He still does, technically. He MySpace? Yeah. He just wanted to get he closer was to me. AKA stalk you? No, he knew I was wanting to be a writer, and so he's like, I'm gonna follow this kid's blog on MySpace. Dad was woke. Anyway, but so, then he would know like all the shit you would write. Each other's walls. Uh, I was a little smarter ahead of that, but mm. I would know what to show and what not to. But he wanted to be close, and that's all that mattered. Okay. 
And so I came home one day from school and the way my dad and I always spent our afternoons, we were the first two home, me from school, him from work. I'd give him a half hour because he had a long day in the spark factory and I would let him do his thing and he'd come down, he'd have a cigarette and he'd have his beer and usually he'd be one of each end and I could come talk to him. I came home or I was already home. I went downstairs to the bar he built and I sat there. We'd always watch bullshit TV like everybody loves Raymond or whatever's on. And This I... is such a dad thing. Yeah, it really like is. Like the idea that he comes home, has a beer, a cigarette, no, and you I, watch I could TV. recreate it today. He takes That's out the glass with his thing. left hand. He carefully opens the beer like it's a Catholic wine ceremony and just pours it in the glass and savors it, cleans the glass. No. And so I come down and I'm, you know, I always expect he's out <laughs> using the restroom or something or getting a snack if there's no one down there. Yeah. And about 20 minutes go by and I'm like, okay, I don't know where he's at. And the fateful moment I knew something was wrong was I looked in his ashtray and the cigarette had smoked itself all the way to the filter. Mm. He had been gone for all that time. And I looked to my right, and there he is laying face up, eyes rolled back, stone blue, dead. Not sure if you've seen a dead person, but you can tell. And you can talk a lot about that moment, what you're prepared to do when you find a dead body, let alone a family member. But I can say it was single-handedly the most pivotal moment of my life. And uh, I screamed. Mm -hmm. I I called 911 on my Motorola Razor flip phone, screamed oh, into it, said, get here as fast as you can. And even though it took 20 minutes, it felt like five days. It took 20 it took minutes? 20 minutes? Well, I live in a part of the city, or the city, part of the country in Indiana, where I was far away from any, I knew he was gone. Wow. It was a long 20 you know minutes. you he was gone when you called? Yeah. Uh. I tried CPR. I'm going to go full tilt boogie with all the details because that's what this podcast exists for. Sure. I did CPR. There was beer in his lungs. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't alive at that point, he was drowned. Mm. He had a heart attack, he had beer in his lungs, he was stone blue, nothing. He was seven feet tall. I couldn't move him. Yeah. He was seven feet tall. Yeah, I know. Right? That's why I'm 6'3". <laughs> My mom's 5'2". <laughs> so... I had to wait and call everyone as the ambulance showed up and then they futilely did CPR. I watched everyone do it. I watched mom come home, ask what happened. I said, nothing happened. I just found him. Mm. And that was the hardest part for her to process. And they put a sheet on him. They took him away. That's the last I saw him. What do you mean it was the hardest part for her to process? That nothing happened. It's not like someone came in and shot him. It's not like mm. he choked on something. He was just done. And it was just Absolutely. a totally it was done. He was, day. I talked to the surgeon after the <clears throat> autopsy, and they said he was done before he hit the ground. Oh, wow. And there's a there's a lot of closure to that, frankly. I don't want him to suffer. And on a, any given day, I'd be down there when we're talking about our buffer time. I would have watched it happen. Mm. That's not something I would have liked to have seen. And I'm kind of glad he went when I was taking a nap or messing around on MySpace. And so that's the story of it. That's the very hour where I went from being a sweet, innocent boy to a uh, Smith's adult man, you know, just <laughs> really carrying a lot of that. And that happened eight and a half years ago. Here I am. So you say it's pivotal. Obviously, it's clear what caused like the big pivot. But what changes did you see in your, of yourself? Can you go into more detail? Than well, it, it's said? one day at a time. It's one day at a time because I remember being on the computer the next day because, hey, I'm still a teenager and I still yeah. need my space for all my gratification. And I'm used to watching his big-ass pickup truck come up the driveway at 3.30 every day. I'd watch that clock turn to 3.31, 3.32, 5 o'clock, midnight, and it just never came. Mm -hmm. And you learn to do that one day at a time. And there's all this stuff where it's like, then mom's going to bed. Normally, dad would tuck her in. I got to be the one to say, hey, I'll see you in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of little shit. 
dad would always cook steaks. I couldn't cook steak. I started learning how to cook steak. And it's just a lot of little stuff to make sure the people in your surroundings don't lose their mind because suddenly so much of the inspiration that wanted to make the house work is gone. Mm. Especially in a time of like, now you've got to bury the son of a bitch. <laughs> mm. So you mentioned you was seven foot tall. I think it's funny. We had a special order, a casket from Batesville, Indiana, AKA the casket capital of the world uh, to what? fit him in. Cause he was so tall. Yeah. So that is more or less the story of how it happened. So that was the last time you saw him. You didn't have an open casket. You never saw him. Okay, again? technically, oh, yeah, right, I did see him in the hospital. It's the last time I saw him where he probably looked the most human. Right, right. I saw him in the ER. They don't prepare you for. There's no media reference to this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, always talk about you know, oh, like a special room where someone comes in. It's like he's hanging on. You can come see him now. Mm-hmm. The alternative is we lost him. Mm-hmm. They never talk about 10 minutes later when everyone's done bawling and they're like, would you like to see him? And there's this dead, curled, Frankenstein-y body, a semblance of what it was, just waiting for you. And it was weird. I went to go hug my dad and I remember he just, his body slumped in my arms. And you're not prepared for that. There's no romanticized moment about that. And from that point on, it kind of hit me really hard. And aside from holding a cold, dead body, like, yeah, that's life. And it will fuck you. And everyone will have to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. Let someone do it to you. And um, so it was a very big moment for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shaped a lot of what I do. And I feel like I can handle anything now. So that's the story of how I found my dad's dead body. How did your family react? <clears throat> was there... And you can say if this is too personal of a question or too Hit aggressive me. of a question. Did you feel any... I guess, animosity towards you because you were the last person with your dad. I, I did until the autopsy. I like jealousy almost. I, I, I wouldn't say even like the last person with my dad. At first, a lot of people felt bad I had to find him. Mm-hmm. And that's a very natural response because who, who in their right mind is ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can never find enough textbooks on that. And um, <laughs> there were people, it's like, yeah, you got to see him for the last time because he worked early in the morning. Everyone else was at school or work. And I was the last person to see him by eight hours. Mm-hmm. It was like me waving at him, but it's still one of those things. It's like, yeah, you got to wave at him. We didn't we didn't know. And um, I think more than anything, I felt guilty. I thought I could have revived him. Mm-hmm. I thought I could have pulled him out of the dead from CPR. Of course, I was a little 18-year-old kid. And... Um, when the surgeon or person who did the autopsy finally told me, it's like nothing you could have done would have helped. I'm like, I can sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. I slept so little the first two weeks. Oh, I bet. Not just adrenaline of being a hormone ravaged 18 year old and dealing with the loss of your best friend, but like you feel like you killed somebody because I couldn't pull my dad up the stairs fast enough. It's like, mm-hmm. no. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't mind talking about this. Mm-hmm. It's not like comical, but it's not like heavy to me. It's just something I've we done. We always need comical stuff. Since my dad has died, uh-huh. I have found two bodies. Hmm. Both living, but both bodies where they're either unresponsive or there's a good chance this person's in serious physical ill. And both those times since, I have run to the scenario. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think myself as being the sort of person now where I'll see this and be like, I can help or I can get you to the next step. Mm-hmm. No one should have to go about this alone. I'm prepared to spend 20 minutes going through hell again for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I am now. And that's closure as it can be. Mm-hmm. Dad didn't choose to die. 
but he would have done the same if he had found my body, and that's all it would have taken. Mm-hmm. So. So what happened to these people you found? Uh, one person in particular was someone in Brown County, Indiana, Nashville. And it's just like that little small village on the strip. And I found someone that looked like they were praying to Mecca, which by alone mm. is not uncommon in southern Indiana, but mm. definitely a little out of the ordinary. Like just yeah. face down. And what really was weird is this is all their heels sticking out of their shoes. Oof. I'm like, uh-oh. They've been there a long time. Mm. And I went, I, I, I dreaded placing my hand on them because I'm like, if it's cold, I'm going to shout. And it was still warm. Mm. They were breathing, but they didn't respond. And we called EMTs, they showed up, and then suddenly, like, they administered something to this person, they woke right the hell up. Mm. And I'm like, oh my god, I could have saved the life out here today, and I may have. But it was like a little reminder that, yeah, it, maybe it's not a life or death scenario, but someone's got to be the person to say, hey, are you alive? Mm-hmm. Are you alive around here? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's definitely a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. And the second one? Uh, the other one was someone in particular I had found just laying on the street in Bloomington and Kirkwood, and they were just drunk as a skunk. Mm. Yeah, it's a thing that's going on around now, and I just couldn't take them very far, but I just brought them under shade. I couldn't wake them up, and mm-hmm. I called the police. just like, hey, there's someone here you should at least go check on. They They didn't respond to my poking, shouting, etc. So that's take it from good. there. Because yeah. I feel like, especially with drunk people... People can just be like, there's like kids. you're already like, dehydrated. You're yeah. on the pavement. It's crazy hot. They're on the pavement. Jesus well, maybe Christ. there are other people to call in the police. Hmm? Maybe there are other people to call in the police. But on that you mind, do what you can. I don't feel right walking by, being like, maybe. <clears throat> I feel like after what happened to me, I gotta. So that was the biggest thing I wrote down on my list. Mm-hmm. I I don't mind telling this. It was mm-hmm. a big. You can tell it was a big aging moment for me, and a lot of people don't look at tragedy that way. But it's instantly what took me from a moody 17-year-old with a CD collection to being like a 19-year-old ready to give the best speech at his father's funeral he's ever heard. And that was the moment where I went from kid to boys to men, if you will. I was going to make a horrible joke and be like, a 19-year-old with a record collection. Me too. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for the right moment to put it in. P.S. It was was my dad's collection. (laughs) So have you always been, yeah, we can tell that you're, you know, really open to talking about it. By all means. Have you always been open to talking with this? Is this a recent thing or after a couple years? Well, bear in mind, he passed in 09, and I remember two days later, I was invited to a house party mm-hmm. with pot and booze and the whole shebang mm-hmm. and um someone asked me it's like hey we haven't seen you recently what's going on you look tired i'm like yeah my dad died and it's just like good one where have you been it's like, like i have to go to the bathroom it's like no my dad actually died i've, I've not been afraid to talk about mm-hmm. it it's awkward but the awkward part's finding the body it, i don't mm-hmm. fucking mind bringing it up at a party so long as i'm not alienating someone it's like that's what happened but it's also a bit your personality like you're a you talk easily, like even in class, you would say, it's weird. Uh, yeah. you would say things like you're really open. You say those things. And I feel like maybe you enjoy a bit the fact that it makes people uncomfortable. Sometimes. I like to think it's a brace of reality. I lost my dad at 18 years old. The same semester I would graduate high school and everyone got like a new car. Everyone got, like, a chance to, like, hug and take pictures of their parents. Everyone had these great, very, like, you know, highlights moments. And there I was, like, not 100 yards from the school um, at my father's grave, buried right next to the high school. And I'm like, 
fuck everything. I don't mind causing a little chaos if it's like, I'm going to remind people that you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very much like, at some point in your life, you will bury a parent or they will bury you. And that's not negotiable. And so I really didn't mind being the first to step up in my sheltered little farm town of uh, blank Indiana. But it was really a moment where I felt like I was different. And I really bonded with other people that had lost their parents early. And a lot of the people I was friends with close to graduation were other, uh, I'm going to call them members of the club. Mm. So. Had you and your dad ever talked about death? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had. Probably the weirdest thing. Um, in January, early January, right before he died, I was a big Elton John fan. You talk about his records. He was a huge Elton John fan. I saw Elton John in concert. Don't want to brag, but... That's where this is going. This is where this is going. I won Indie Star tickets to see Elton John and Billy Joel in their face-to-face -to -face tour. Oh, wow. oh, fuck. It was great. It was great. And my dad turned me on to Elton John, as weird as that sentence sounds. And uh, so I asked, can you go with me? You brought me into Elton John. And he said, like, some sort of savant poet prophet of the future, like, take your brother in case I can't make it. That's a weird. My dad he died shit all five time. days later. Yeah. And then the Elton John Billy Joel show was like two weeks later. We sat in the back goddamn row and, you know, I fucking lost it during, like, you know, goodbye, Norma Jean, mm -hmm. though I never knew you at all. <laughs> this is sad. But it <laughs> yeah. was it was definitely a time about where it's like, yeah, uh, he talked about death a lot. Mm -hmm. He also talked about it at his funeral. He wanted just a picture of him holding a beer. Uh, this little simple beer and he wanted Rush the band Rush to be played at his open casket and oh, I funny. swear to god two, three, four days after he died we buried him in a Hawaiian t-shirt we oh played Rush god. we had a photo of him holding a beer right by him and from oh, Hawaiian I'm dying like he was a good dude, he didn't fear anything yeah. he knew it had to come so. so maybe for our last death question unless you have something I kind of did. Yeah, um, you were talking about how after he died, like he was the one cooking steak and then you started cooking steak. So did you, do you feel like you had to sort of endorse some kind of role in the family? Like, do you have to fill some kind of space? Is that... I've had some inadequacy because he had a brilliant Caesar salad recipe and I just can't <laughs> stand anchovies. Like I can't do it. Uh, and I don't eat a lot of vegetables. And that's one thing that's died with him is his apparently great Caesar salad <laughs> recipe. He taught me how to cook a steak. It's simple. You lather it with, I can't believe it's not butter, salt, pepper, Montreal steak seasoning, 20 minutes or whatever. And bam, there you go. Uh, but from that point on, I couldn't get that damn salad. That was like the thing he got. And I just don't like salad. Uh, but, but like food aside, do you feel like you have to fill his role? It's weird. Mm -hmm. It really is weird. My dad was very stoic. And he was the sort of guy that was always contemplative ahead of something. And more than anything, I wanted to fulfill a role where I could make sure my mother was happy. And mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, it's like, I talked to her into bed some nights. I'm like, hey, shit sucks. I'll see you in the morning with coffee and we'll go from there. Why not? I'm tall. I look like him. I'm also suffering like you. Let's go from there. And uh, the thing about my dad is I just knew it was never anything grandeur. He was never big on like, oh, we'll go out and paint the town red with a brilliant night out. It's like... Hey, I heard a song lyric that made me think of you. It's by the Eagles. And it's like, you know, sweet. Mm -hmm. And I would do mm -hmm. the same sense. And mm -hmm. sometimes I just call my mom just to check in. But there's a little bit of that to it. 
I would find you'd have that with anyone that departed you were close to. If you lost your current best friend, you'd probably want to take a role of being like, hey, remember that inside joke? I'm just going to tell it again for everyone's benefit. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit to it. A little bit. Yeah. Was your sister already gone from the house? No. That was a period of time where everyone, including my future sister-in-law, she didn't live there, but she was dating at the time, I believe, my brother. Oh, I didn't um, know you had a brother. I do. and he's A younger a, brother? Yes. And he is a oh. father, and he's terrific. I love my little niece. Uh, but they um, more or less, like, yeah, that was a period of time where it's like it was everyone under the same roof. And after that, weirdly enough, not just me going to college, but they moved out. My sister moved out. My mom eventually would downsize to a smaller house because why have a six-bedroom mm -hmm. house where it's just one person living in it uh, after a while? And so we all kind of parted ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your last question? Oh, for my last question, I always like asking questions that have to do with numbers. What are three words you would use to describe your dad? Um, three words. Uh, first one is humble, and I mean that. He used to be a former basketball player in the NCAA. Uh, I didn't learn this until I was nine. I found a picture of him playing ball, and I'm like, mm -hmm. is this you? He's like, yeah, it is. And I didn't know he won a national championship. Mm -hmm. uh, so first to say humble. Uh, second one is funny. He had a real sense of dry humor. He once screamed. <laughs> kind of over. I want a picture with a beer. <laughs> That's it. Just like me. Uh, I want to say dry humor because there's one time I was taking a nap and he screams from downstairs. You know, not a good scream. Jarambo, come down right now, now! And I'm like, dur, 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 run down the stairs and he's drunk and he's ironing clothes. <laughs> Guess who I am? I'm Iron Man. <laughs> You can go back to sleep, and I don't know, I just want to tell someone. <laughs> so very funny. And the third one is always genuine. He would always go out, and regardless of where we went, he'd ask the server, it's like, can I buy you a drink? Would you like something to eat? You're waiting on us. You're basically family. Can I help you in any way? Most people would be like, I'm a little sensitive. I don't feel right, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But once in a while, I'd be like, I'm hungry as hell. Can you mm -hmm. buy me something? Like, yeah, that's why we do this. And so um, that's something I try and pay forward for my dad. Nice. And so that's the way I'll remember his legacy is always funny, uh, always genuine, and always willing to help others. That's really nice. Yeah. You guys ready to talk about sex? Oh, hell yeah. Hell. Sex, sex, sex. Sex, 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 sex. Um, this is the time that we usually take a break. That'd be Does great. I would love a break. So everyone's real so close to the So everyone scoop up for the sex part. The sex part. The sex part. We're uh, talking about sex. Oh, are we really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Some sort Hit of follow-up question. Can I do that? So you were talking about how you're in a committed relationship to your partner, with your partner? Yeah. What does that mean? Basically, we are, we're not poly. Um, it's weird to say instead of being monogamous, we don't really see other people. Not really been a thing. Um, but it's just kind of been like, it's us. Not even that we have time or room for other people at all. We're busy, but it's like, Hey, you're my one and only, and only because I trust you the most, and you're good, and why settle for anything less than the best? So that's kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. But does it mean you guys have sex with other people? Mm, not at the moment, no. It's just really sort of like, we do our own thing, we frequently talk about like who's cute, who's not, whatever, but we don't really consider like the idea of a three-way we don't really go forward about like, oh, what if, what if, who's this, who's that, could it be? And even when we were more active on like a uh, fetish site locally, it's like, 
Uh, it's got to really be someone special to woo us over. Basically, it's got to make us double check where we stand as compared to like asking first. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like if you want to do something, it needs to be worth it because there's a conversation that needs to. Yeah, it's not like, hey, we'll try it and see what happens. It's like, yo, is this the thing we're absolutely sure about? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think you could be open and having sex with other people independently in the future? I don't know. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I used to be that way, and it's just the way it works is, like, to use a phrase, too many cooks. Um, if you want to go about it the right way, you just got to talk about other people, and it's just, like, you got to be, like, in several relationships at once, and one's enough to talk about other people and being, like, oh, who's your secondary other your significant other back home whatever and it's just too much mm-hmm. not that it's not right but it's just i'm busy they're busy mm-hmm. it's just not right for us and I, I applaud anyone who else is poly or in an open relationship sort of deal but it's just not for me not for us at the moment at least and we'll yeah. reconsider it later i'm sure but it's just that's part of being an open book but nah not now mm-hmm so, you mentioned something to us that I really want to talk about. Okay. And bringing wrestling to the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk, explain what this means to someone who knows nothing about wrestling. Watch that. Okay. Uh, you just <laughs> did it. What? You just did the same what? noise. I, was no, I did it. So, you're talking about like something such as professional wrestling. I did that. You're talking about something such as professional wrestling. The idea of integrating it in a bedroom role. What you wrote was also like very catchy. What? How did you phrase it? Okay. Um, Let me look. It yeah, this is my Freudian research. WWE World Wrestling Exhibitionist Entertainment. Entertainment as well. They all wear latex. Submission holds as sex moves. Oh, and I have another question. Tell me everything about this because I think I can make this work. So wrestling is like sex and they both share a very, it's like kinky sex. You watch wrestling with me. Didn't you? When you're wrestling while you're fucking or like fighting, it's so fun. Right, but there's a similar concept called consensual non-consent. It's like you can hit me, you can slam me, you can like choke me so long as it's like this is something we discussed before. Same goes for like wrestling and sex. And so it's kind of like you want to start cuddling or all sorts of like these, uh, I'm going to say, like um, tantric maneuvers. Like, oh, leg goes here, arm goes there, fingers go here, whatever. But it's like you go into a submission wrestling move and it's very similar. And there are some wrestling moves that are kinkier than others. And I'm like, I like watching that. That's what I'm about. I'm a big fan of blank. And I'm pretty into that. So then you do it in the bedroom. Not always, but sometimes. Can you give a description in detail of what one of these moves might look so like? So I mentioned the word submission move. Uh-huh. Submission move is meant to be essentially a move where you tell the other person you're going to be in this until you quit or fight out. And that's kind this of... This sounds fun. It is fun. This sounds super fun. It is fun. very fun. It's just got to give them the, the ability to consent to get out. And that's yeah. a very distinguishable difference. And it's very much that it can be anything, any sort of like pain pleasure on the body of a a receiver if you will and so it's just like anything in particular i'm a big fan of what's called the half or full nelson where you take someone's arm put your hand under it under their head so they can't use it and you could go from there doggy style have sex whatever you want and it's very fun you put your hand basically it's like from their back 
You take a right arm uh-huh. under their right arm, left arm under their left arm, push hands uh. on their head, and now they can't use it. And if they're oh, if they're so cool. <laughs> if they're so interested and consensual, then it's like, yeah, face down, ass up. That's the way you like to wrestle. And um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And it's very fun. We are making t-shirts. I'm going to do that tonight. Face down, ass up. That's right, baby. The way you like to wrestle. (laughs) So, yeah. And it's weird because I've been watching wrestling longer than I've ever been interested in sex. And it's hard to say they're exclusive. And it's hard to say they're not exclusive. So, it's a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you are doing this, do you guys ever switch the roles of submission? Absolutely. We're, cool. both, we're both switches. Yeah. Absolutely. And some of it does involve breath play. Uh, there's one move in particular called the Crippler Crossface, made <laughs> famous by uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, you should... are hilarious. Like, I'm imagining you guys in the bedroom and being yeah. like, you want to do the Crippler Crossface? You don't ask them. You I just know. do it. And because you have that implied consent, Duh. not consent. It's like one arm under the throat, the okay. other one locks it in. You take Oh, your, this one's great. You take one hand and pin it under your left leg, and they have one arm free to try and either escape or give up. And so okay. yeah. It very much is a thing where it's like whether or not you're a wrestling fan and trying to get kinky or a kinky person and trying to diversify your moveset, if you will. Trying to get into wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> they both accent each other very well and it's very fun regardless have a wrestling match with your significant other i guarantee you if you're both cautious and patient it will be fun absolutely fun yeah no that sounds really fun so what's that thing about male chastity it's the uh, other I, knew you'd ask, I knew you'd ask the question <laughs> the easy one with wrestling I, uh, the, wait so what it. you wrote is male pay male pegging peg, right How male chastity pre- slash pegging yeah you know so what do you want to know <laughs> our two favorite things what well, is this what, what, what's what male does that mean what is your relationship what is, to that? what is my relationship you want me to say it all uh, you wrote it. Right, right. I'm just giving you all shit. Don't even act like you don't want <laughs> just to. Like, oh my god, you're like you're taking so much out of me. Oh, you're so good. So yeah, so many questions. No, you yeah. wrote it down. No. Okay, so I'll just begin with the thing that's most commercially like acceptable in the moment, and that's pegging. Uh, pegging <laughs> is very much as made famous famous in Death Pool and recently Fifty Shades of Grey had like a big BDSM mainstream move, whatever. Uh, in Deadpool? In Deadpool? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a joke in Deadpool. National Women's Day uh, is also National Pegging Day. Mm-hmm. And I you go home and so your so lady much. heterosexual yeah. SO gets to fuck you in the ass, of course. And, you know, whatever. Pegging, as it were. Uh, I didn't name it, but the peg is like the dong, of course, on a harness of a the female. Dong. A, dong, a dildo, if you will. <laughs> um, for insertable purposes. And oh, so... I've, as a bisexual male, I've always had interest in receiving, etc. It's the way it goes. And I got to say, um, it's good shit. I really got to say it's a good, it's a fun time. It's absolutely a fun time. Yeah. Uh, fellas, explore your prostate more. Explore <laughs> submission roles to your SO. It's really a good time. Everyone wins. The worst that happens, you say I'm done. And we go back to watching Netflix. It'll be there. Try something fun. And I really enjoy being pegged. It's so, really have you and your partner always had this very open relationship where you could talk about what you want? We just have or friends you... where we're weird. That's okay, really cool. We can talk about whatever, but it's not so much a matter of, like, we'll talk about it because we do it. We'll talk about it because, yeah, if you give a shit, it's worth it to us. I mean, I think a lot of men would be interested in that, but feel 
uncomfortable or unsure about how to bring that up with their partners. You know, I'd agree. It really was a time where I was unsure and I felt very hesitant to bring it up to my partner. And I'm like, hey, uh, this thing that interests me. And it's so weird because I brought it up like, that interests me too. Yeah. I've always wondered it, but I can't just tell another guy or tell a guy. And I'm like, uh, you never know. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'd recommend worse it happens. They, you tell someone, they're like, oh, that's not my thing. We'll just throw it away. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Have you ever had like have you ever had such interactions with a man, or was it always with no? A I've had oral sex with a man, but I've never had anal or penetrative sex with a man. Yeah. Would you like to? It's always been on my mind, but at the current moment, I don't feel like there's a need. Like I need something fulfilled, uh, but I do feel like, you know, hey, it'd be fun. Yeah. Not like it's like you want to go play kickball right now. Hell yeah, I'd go play kickball right now. <laughs> this is yeah. That would be my hell right now, playing kickball. It's humid outside. Is, yeah. it, is it a code? Like, or is it like, um, do you want to play kickball? Oh, kickball is no. Kickball tonight! Do you want to kick my <laughs> balls into my ass? I don't know what no, that means. No, but it's here. not unlike, I tell you, there's a, a guy, it's like a switch male. It's like, if you want that, or it's like just grinding on a dude at a bar. It's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, male chastity. Okay, yeah, there. tell us about male chastity. And okay. why did you put that together with pegging? Is there a relationship? Okay. There, no there's, a sort of, there's a sort of correlation, yeah, basically the cuckold fantasy. Uh, basically the way this goes is um, essentially a lot of BDSM and kink is meant to be very tease slash denial. I have, you can't, I own you, you don't, etc., etc., etc. And it started with pegging. It's kind of like, okay, so you're the one with the, the, the phallus, but I own the strap on whatever. You do what I say tonight, whatever. And so with that kind of comes like an exchange. And it's very interesting because uh, the way I see it biologically that male and female heterosexual partners work, uh, basically the way men are, it's like when you have an orgasm, you, you blew your load, you're done, get out of town. I, I couldn't if I wanted to again. Women, it's like, Again, now, let's do this. And so the problem is with men, it's like, well, you like are a masturbatory freak. You can jerk off whenever you want. You can please yourself. You do whatever you want. And so where I started with this was like the chastity belt device, especially for a dude with, uh, for lack of a better word, the fruit and berries is like an actual plastic cage. It's kind of a thing. It's caught on plastic metal, whatever. And it would be just like, hey... I control you, you don't jerk off whenever you want, we have sex when I desire, says the female authoritative partner. Whether it's DS or just uh, cohabitation, it's like, I'm in charge here. And so uh, it's always been interesting to me because like I've always been interested in kink, BDSM, tease denial, that's very interesting. So it's just like, hey, you put this on and whenever you're ready, I'll decide. And so there's a lot of internet subculture of like, Dudes that are locked up or under very scrupulous like regulations. And it's very interesting because you'll never find the same story twice. But it's just like there have been times where I'm not in any mood, any at all to have sex either because it's like, hey, whatever, regular daily masturbation in the shower. Or I just don't give a damn right now because I'm busy. And it's like, well, I'm going to lock your dick up and I'm going to put a padlock on it and you can't get out. And then by the end of the day, it's like you're going to be ready to fuck me silly. And it's weird because it's like the wet paint theory. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to touch wet paint until I saw that fucking sign. I'm going to tell you what. And so that's 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 a lot of it. That's a lot of it. No, this sounds hot. But how no. do you pee? 
Uh, that was you, gonna be my no, question. Okay, so I'll answer anything. So it's like you have your plastic, metal, or whatever material cages. Normally, there's a slit right around the urethral male hole where you can just go. You don't have to take it off, and of course, it does interfere with the back end of things. So, so you, you just, have worn one of these. I've worn one of these for at least seventy-two hours. Whoa! I know this some. I know cool. some people that have worn those for a long period of time. But I'll tell you, after seventy-two hours, you're basically just like, yo, this is uncomfy. It's, it's like, remember, have either of you worn braces? On your no, teeth. Sadly, look at these straight. After because... about three week, three days, you're like, I hate this so fucking much, and I'll just pay anything to get out. It's like that, and it's just like not only is it like uncomfortable because sometimes erections are natural, and it's it's not I'm attracted to anything, but I woke up and I had a cup of coffee and I'm ready to fuck, and it's like, nope, sorry, you got to fit into this little pipe, and it's like it's a little mm. weird, yeah, and so it is weird. It is uh, definitely a, ta- a thing where it's very submissive male-oriented, of course, and uh, femme-dominant. But it's also, like, consensual because it's like, if you're having a bad time, let me know and I'll let you out. I'm like, this sucks. It hurts and it smells. And, like, I I, I just rather would fuck you right now. And they're like, yeah, I'd rather have sex with you right now, too. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back and forth. I know a lot of people online that are like... Oh, I've been locked up for three months because what? it's. I know, and a lot of gay men are like, I've been locked up for three months because it's like I, I'd rather have a sex life that's just strictly anal oriented at this point and be a bottom uh. and receiving, and a lot of tops are like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll just have a bottom that's only service to me, and I can ensure this by locking them up and owning the key. And there's a lot of like attraction to seeing that key around someone's neck while they're like pegging you too, and that's where this ties in. It's where it ties in. It's like, Ah. you don't have a dick. I do. And you're getting reamed by it. And it's pretty fun. Uh, I will throw that out there. It's fun, but also like short-term fun. There's a lot of people. It's like, you can lock me up, but it's also like their disastrous masturbatory fantasies where it's like, all right, I'm done now. You can let me out. It's like, no, this is going to be like a six-month thing. No, but you can let me out now. No, I'm in charge. And it's very much, like, kind of, like, really, yeah, it's got to be the both balance for both people, and that's so difficult. I don't know, I would say no to a dick for six months, then, if it was just in front of me. And that's it, because you could let it out, you could let it out and have (laughs) sex with it, and then, like, tie the guy back up and, like, lock him and be like, all right, whenever you're ready. But if you don't wash your dick for six months. Okay, that was part of it. It was gross, but it's like, you could also wash it and be like, you're ready to go. And then, like, have sex. And it's like, all right, now you go back on my terms and I'll let you know when you're ready to come again. It's also so interesting because what I'm hearing is that there's so much locus and power put into the idea of having a phallus. Yeah, absolutely, because that's the pleasure giver. It's so but weird. It, it, it's not the only one. No, but that's but a large part of the male it, narrative. It is. A large part of the male narrative is I have the Johnson. I will decide, or but you're kind of, yeah, you're or I will decide when I'm satisfied. Power. And it's like you lock it up. And it's like no, you can't even jerk off. You will have to fuck me for your satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And that's also kind of problematic because I'm just being frank when I say that like ninety percent of these cages are easy to escape. I'm just throwing that out there. It's not not at all a problem that's a lot of the times though kind of like bdsm stuff you know you could get away if you really try no it's a lot of it's just like are you going to disobey your mistress come Mm -hmm. out of your cage Mm -hmm. do just fine um 
the only way to is to not escape a chastity cage for a male, honestly, is to get a Prince Albert piercing and a CBR piercing. Oh. I know it hurts just talking about through the cage itself, yeah. and you can't pull out. Otherwise, you can pull out of anything. Yeah, Julie, what are your thoughts? <laughs> You're real quiet over there. No, I wasn't. No, no, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm just like, can you imagine six months without showering? I mean, There's the thing, you, you shower pee, and you can, you can like use a Q-tip, this Q-tip and hand soap to clean it inside. Yeah. Oh my God, so much work. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work and a lot of people, if they're being a submissive role to a uh, dominant other, will really appreciate that and get off on it. But some people, if like the dominant's not feeling it, so yeah, whatever, I just want to have sex when you're not like jerking it constantly and I know it's pleasing for me. It's like, hey, here's an idea. How about y'all just communicate and come back in a week? You know, and it's it's. I think this idea is attractive, though. It's very fun. That power play is. It's fun, fun, if anything, because like, you might be able to pull your like phallus out of it, but the balls aren't going anywhere, and it's just like this is guaranteed uncomfortable. You're gonna be thinking of me every time you have like a bump when you cross railroad tracks, or mm-hmm. like whenever you have like any sort of pipe dream morning wood. You're gonna be thinking about me, and it hurts sometimes. Let me be frank, it hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I dated someone once where we did a lot of orgasm denial, and I was very into it, and he would, like, get me to the brink of coming and then tell me not to come, and that I couldn't come until, like, two days later, and there was no physical barrier, and there was no, like, I couldn't do it, but, you know, I just wouldn't do it, because the idea of not doing it was part of the fun. It's hotter to imagine it, it. yeah, Yeah. and I've reflected on this a lot. And I honestly got to say, I'd rather just, like, masturbate to the idea of wearing a chastity cage rather than yeah, wearing one. Yeah, And part of the reason why I people often wear them is, like, oh, so you can be a better bottom and try and come from, a, like, a prostate-only anal stimulation. Mm-hmm. Earn that stuff versus, like, take care of it yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely... Wherever you come from with your motivation source, it's whatever you're going to put into it. But don't go into it if you have no idea what you're like, yeah, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's hot for teasing denial. But if you that the idea itself is like, yeah, that's fun, then just jerk off to the idea of it and move on. Mm-hmm. Well, but sometimes you want to try. I mean, I would want to try. I, I would recommend it, except they're crazy expensive. Oh, really? Uh, they really, yeah, engineering for the shape of a ding dong. Like, yeah, it is, it is definitely a thing. Where How much was it? I've had a few of them, and it doesn't help that Amazon and China eBay posts, but, like, anywhere from, like, 30 to to $100. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, like, 300 600 plus if they're, like, stainless steel. Yeah. I'm looking up images now. Kind of hot. Those are the chastity belts themselves. You can ch- search chastity cage. Oh. Yeah, like those, are, those are uh, not quite. Those are, I'm, I'm really, really in, into the idea of chastity belts, like middle-aged style. No, those still exist, but like the, the cage itself where it's yeah, like it's around like a man's head. phallus is like, it's almost shaped, yeah, there you go. It's like shaped like a oh. slinky around someone's cock. You could still definitely clean them. No, you could, but yeah. you can also still okay. definitely so pull like out. This. I'll throw that, at, yeah. Still ah. definitely able oh, to pull out. Okay, that's what it looks like. I was really visualizing chastity belts. Me too. No, and that's that's definitely the female slash medieval equivalent. And I some... love this because you know me and my Catholic fetish. So clearly, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they're hot. But yeah. a lot of it is definitely still just like you know, okay. shaping around the Frankfurter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is fun. It can be. 
Uh, it's not always 24 hours a day fun. Like you can't sleep because uh, your gonads are literally in a prison. Uh, but you know, it's different. Hmm. Can I switch topic? Absolutely. Sort of related. Um, so you said you were on the fetish scene in Bloomington. I need yeah. to know. I was, on fet- I was on Fet Life for a bit. I uh, so when I first knew I was into kink, I uh, was after you took my class. No. <laughs> it was before Y2K even. I uh, I picked up a magazine, a video game magazine for a uh, video game called uh, Death Trap Dungeon. And it was like some guy shackled to the wall with a controller in front of him that he could try to play with his mouth. And some dominatrix was standing on it like a whip right on top of him. It's like reach for it, pull, like, you know, poor boy, <laughs> go for it. And I'm like, that's strangely weird. I'm seven and I have uh, an erection and uh, I'm all for it. And uh, so from that point on, I'm like, I want to know more about this. And so it's like, I really, really, from a very early age, found out that I was into sort of like tease denial or restraint, non-restraint play and um, followed it out. And uh, it's weird because every Thursday night at the TV uh, or cable package in my house I would watch and see like real sex from HBO and see real people getting handcuffed and whatnot. I'm like, this is pretty cool. That's kinda like the first time I learned I was into kink, if you will. But Bloomington. Bloomington, yes, I'm getting there. Thank you. Um keep so, on what we're talking about. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> we're teasing. And so I uh <laughs> came here, student, whatever, morning the loss of dad. Came whatever. here literally. Ha Boom, and boom, um, boom, right boom. at the time I was 2021, <laughs> uh, Life, a website, it's like Facebook for a website. Like a shitty website. It's it not really a good is. Website. I tried, it's like, I tried. It's like the less user friendly so, thing. It's, it's like, like you're in a warehouse. Facebook, the setup is so bad. 2008 Facebook for kinky people. It's a warehouse. And, yeah, and it's just like, hey, you nice. can come to Bloomington and uh, we have like sloshes and people can meet up and talk kink. But by and large, it's like either people looking to fuck tonight or people that are just asocial and looking for any sort of friendship. And I don't mean any sort of like shame on that because both are good in their own regard. But it's like if you're a person like, hey, I want to talk about power dynamics in a relationship. It's like, oh, well, Tommy over there is looking to fuck. And these people are just afraid to even mention the word BDSM aloud. So uh, hang tight while we all have a cup of coffee here. I'm like... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's weird. So I went to a few play parties. I uh, did the thing here locally. So there uh, are people who do that. What? There are actually stuff happening. Yeah. I went to a few play parties where I saw people anywhere from like, oh, we're going to have a spanking demonstration with X here. Or we're going to have a flogging demonstration with Y. Or we're going to gag Z and blindfold them. And whoever they feel in the room, you're allowed to do whatever you want to. And it's oh, very, that sounds hot. It is very hot. But also it's <laughs> like, great. we met a half hour ago, dude. Yeah. Like, That's it, sometimes the fun, though. It is. It, it can be fun. But after a while, it's like you realize this isn't how you want to meet the SO uh, kinkster in your life. So it's basically in somebody's house? Yeah. It'd be like if we were hanging out here. And I've been. You can do whatever you want to her. That's fine. As long as I have a blindfold on and touch you. People in my house. (laughs) I'm just chill out over here. Uh, It's just like. uh, That's okay. I'm not looking my best. But but it's just like it would just be anything from like as formal as here's a clipboard. You sign. You document these rights of consent and acknowledge like 
what is a proper uh, spectator role in this environment to like, hey, we're at a, insert local bar here, we're here to talk about vague kinky stuff. Just don't put your hands on anyone. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. But it would be, it took over the span of a summer to really go to a few play parties, a few demonstrations, whatever. Realize like, this is very titillating, very fun. The people themselves, not incredibly interesting. Not what I'm going for. I'd rather just read a Wikipedia page. And as weird as it sounds like, have a good, honest communication with someone via DMs or text or whatever, and really let it go from there. So what was it that you didn't like? You thought it was too... A large, level, a large portion of what intimate. I didn't, I, what I really didn't like is that a part of it was a good bastion for alternative sexualities like polyamorism or gangbangism or orgies, whatever. Anything goes. Consensual, anything goes. And it's really tough if you're someone who's like, hey, I'm just looking to try out a new hobby, a new thing. You pick any fetish out of the list. I'm just going to pull one out in the blind and say like handcuffs. And be like, I want to try out handcuffs. Like, oh, I do handcuffs. By the way, my boyfriend is a great handcuffer and their significant other has great rope handcuffs. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to get involved in this like tangled ass web. Mm -hmm. And so that's what scared me away is that a lot of people have already had sex with other people, have already had sex with other people, have already had sex with other people. And even if you're just like, hey, I want to like try something new, it's like suddenly you're already involved with like the whole goddamn Avengers. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm I'm glad for Indiana where I grew up where it's like you can't even mention that like, hey, I'm into like being tied up by a woman, whatever. Uh, it's like suddenly you want to talk about polyamorism or the idea, polyamory, or the idea of like other partners and how they cohabit cohabitate together. It's really tough. And I just like, Fuck it. I know I've got a good person. They're a little different. I'm going to try something kinky. No ideas like ridiculed. I'm going to stick with them. Mm -hmm. It works. It works a lot better than like, I'm just going to throw this in the void and maybe like 10 people hear about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's ultimately why I opted out. I still have great friends I met from it. I meet them several times a week, once a week, whatever, just to hang out vanilla, do our normal thing. Occasionally we'll put up a notice like, hey, here's what I'm doing kinky. Here's what we're trying out just for your information. But I don't feel like I need that fet life community anymore. Are you on the Bloomington Kink Facebook group? Yes. Cool. Me too. I'm going to find you and add you later. That's, that's I'm more not fun. in there. Did I not add you? No. Oh, I can add you. Is it fun? Uh, uh, no. There's hardly anything. No, that's that's exactly yeah. it. It's, it, it used anything. to be more active five, six years ago. Yeah. There were certain people that were administrators be like, hey, let's all go see a movie. Hey, how about you come over to a picnic at my place? But I don't need to go to a picnic with people I want to tie me up. Like, that's the thing where, because I'm trying to listen to what you, what you like to really sort of analyze what you're saying. And I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't want to be in a house with 10 pairs of eyes watching me. I would, I could do it in a club with anonymous people, but this kind of like weird proximity would weird me out. And so I'm with you, like, it goes back maybe sometimes it's easier to, like, talk really to someone. To I'd rather show ten strangers my gonads than two people I know my gonads. Yeah. And yeah. that's the fact of the matter. And a lot of it was with a party. It'd just be, like, someone that was a proprietor of these parties would be like, hey, I'm throwing a shindig. I know everyone. Maybe you don't, but everyone's an established apple. And it felt like an eyes wide shut sort of, like, orgy. Except eyes wide shut orgy is amazing and... They are wearing masks. No, that's it. It's like everyone felt like, hey, I don't know who you are, and that makes it all the better.
but the longer I stayed in it, everyone knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knew each other's weird, disgraceable fantasy. Everyone knew each other sort of like, oh, that's what really flips their light switch, huh? And I'm like, oh, okay. God. Yeah, no. You know, and then it's like, I gotta it's get out. It's not even fun. Something no, it really is like, I, I gotta get out before someone shames me. Like, hardly in that group at all and hardly know the people in it. Mm-hmm. But something I've discerned, it seems almost like people just sleep with each other just to sleep with one another. And there's a lot and of there's like. There's not an attraction there. And it's just like, this. This might make you sound bad, but there's this idea that they so don't want to judge people mm-hmm. based on their looks, and they just want to be all accepting and open, that it seems like everyone sleeps with everyone, and it's like, yeah, but it's okay to not be attracted to people. You've it doesn't mean they're ugly. You've been speaking my language for a while. It's, it's like you're weird. doing it for the sake of uh, popularity or uh, seeming like you're experienced. Yeah. And uh, I got I, I, you know, yeah. I got to be honest, I'd rather do it for me than anyone else. And a lot of it is, like, people want to seem like the most ex. I'm the kinkiest. I've done this. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. definitely, oh, yeah, I have two femdoms on camera right now. It's like, do you? Yeah, but do you, a, you're 17, do you? But it's so maybe sometimes you don't, I don't know, for me, I really need to be attracted to people in some kind of ways. But maybe sometimes that's not always how fetish work. Like, maybe actually part of it would be to be with any kind of buddy, right? No, and I'm all for that. But in a county slash city so small as Southern Monroe. No, no, county. I know, and that's where I couldn't if do it. If this were like Brooklyn, New York, I'd be like, you got everything yeah. you need. Or a club, like a place where people are really anonymous, and then you move on. Right, yeah. and that's where I kind of like the idea of the yeah. play party is like this person can vouch for everyone here. You don't know them, but they're established. Mm-hmm. So uh, get consent and yeah. go home and have fun, kids. Yeah, you that's know? a good point, Julie. I guess I, I've just been thinking of it the way I witnessed it. It seemed similar um, to what Rambo was saying, that it's people just doing things for the sake of kind of mm. gathering bragging. kink points. Yeah. Yeah. So more bragging than... Yeah, like, oh, you slept with five people, I slept with eight people I know people that have explicitly been like that. Oh, so you've been in an orgy? Well, have you ever, like, you know, done so-and-so for the group? And I'm like, yeah. um... It doesn't matter what I'm into. It matters if I'm happy. Have we ever considered that? Yeah. But it's even weird for me that there's a group. Like when I first got here, I was after London and I would go to clubs and do stuff. And I told a, a dude I met and he was like, oh, you should go to the Bloomington kink group, whatever. They were having a kink table, I think. Yeah, it was called a slosh or something. I don't know. But to me, the idea was so weird. Like, why do I need to meet with people who are like-minded? You know, like that's just so, like I don't... I. I, I guess it's weird for me that the socializing is around kink because I feel like that's, you know, you can talk about it. And yeah. I feel like we talk about stuff like that all the time. But the very fact that pe- that kink people have to gather like this is kind of strange. We, yeah, from my perspective, point. as a small farm town boy, is that it's more or less no one's going to out you. No mm. one's going to judge you. And you can be yourself. It's a support group mm-hmm. rather than say you're from New York City where it's like you walk out and someone's wearing like a goddamn codpiece G-string chastity belt in public. Like, oh, look at them. I hope they're getting off. It's compared to like, say, Southern Indiana. It's like, uh, I hope they're happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. You go out and just like you want to make sure the people you're working with are legit. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of sting cops. So it's been a big deal. That was six years ago, but it definitely shaped a lot of my kink interest and uh, I'm not active on FET, FL, FET Life, the black page mm-hmm. anymore, but it was a thing I did for a good long time. Yeah. No, it was really weird for me going on there. Yeah. Um, 
I did it during undergrad. When did you do it? What, Fed Life? Yeah. I tried here. Oh, okay. I started yeah, from I about 2010 to, uh, That's I had a birthday. I got on it too. Yeah, to about 20, to, I guess it's still an account, but I just don't post. I don't, I no, work. it seems boring and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, Same. pretty much. Welcome yeah. to, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Is there, uh, we talked for about 40 minutes about sex. Is there any last thing that you want to talk about? Sex or death? Not particularly. Cool. Um, I'm a tall dude. I, I want to give a shout out to people out there that have a partner that's like, regardless of their position on the bed, you can't match heights with. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, let's try missionary. No, that's not working. Let's try doggy. No, that's not working either. Sorry I'm so tall. So if we could remove, I'm going to use my little speech here. Can we remove a little bit of stigma for using an extra pillow or a liberator? God Is there a stigma there? Not a stigma, but I'm just like, hey, if you need a swivel chair to fuck, uh, go. <laughs> if you want to use the sofa, if you want to try the coffee table, by all goddamn means, just do what's there for you. Uh, also, it's hot. Yeah. So it, yeah. Yeah. So it seems like your message, if I can just gather it, is to try everything and be open to reality. Uh, what could use happen? Use the safe word. Use the safe word. Reality. Yeah, we use the safe word. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We talk about chastity a lot. I didn't try it. At all times, even though it's like my partner had the lock and key, I still had a safe word. Yeah. Use a safe word and try new stuff. And all you gotta do is basically shout a one syllable, er, and like you're still good. You're good, and you're gonna get out of there, and it's fun. We didn't even talk about you having a vasectomy. We do can still do say- that. I'd be like, all, just real quick, we can do the, why yeah. you did that? I got a vasectomy. Have you seen the future in the news? Mm-hmm. I got a vasectomy because I know, and I know I don't want kids. Mm-hmm. I love my niece. I don't want kids. I don't have the capacity to raise a kid mentally or financially. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. I'd rather just get a vasectomy and get it over with. And so I did, and uh, it hurt like a son of a bitch. It really does. Uh, it's like getting a tattoo. Um, but I got to say, it's not worse than any other sort of CBT, cock and ball torture, not cognitive behavioral therapy, I've ever experienced. And um, it was really worth it. It was really an interesting time. I'm glad to know that now I can't produce offspring because I don't want to be a biological dad. And so... your partner is fine with it? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty damn sure because his brother was adopted and uh, he, my sister was adopted. It's like, just be a role model. I'd rather be a role model to my niece and go from there as compared to like, oh, this person shares 50% of your ugly jawline. Like, you know, whatever. And I'm fine with it. Awesome. Well, this has been Interrogations. <laughs> That's podcast. Wait, is it not? Hello, hello. All right. Thank you for having was your dick bad? cut off. No, it was Cool, yeah. Having your dick cut off. I mean, a piece of it. Yeah, we're gonna send her a link on what vasectomy. What you do? You cut a piece of something and then you bound it. Uh, yeah, you cut a weird. piece of something and you make it, it instead into of a busting bow, open a pinata. Instead of busting open a pinata, <laughs> imagine you use like a grabber to pull out a specific so bit of honey. <laughs> that. <laughs> Sorry, that's the end of it. Oh, you said that before. All right, that was interrogations. A sex and death podcast. Good. Bye. Uh, thank Bye you, us. thank you, uh, Jaina, for the new logo. Now yeah. we look like normal Gina. people. Gina I can't. I still can't say your name right. That's okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for the logo. It's amazing. Thank you, Tamara, for editing the podcast. Thank you, Adam, for the microphone. Yes. Good call. 
we will be having a seven to eight week break. Uh, consider the season one. <laughs> I <gasps> you, am. That was the end of season one. You're the last episode. I'm excited, y'all. I am uh, leaving to go do research, and Julie is a grown-up and has a pretty much full-time job now, so we're going to take a little break. Good for you. But we will be back in August with more episodes, and if you have any interest in being on the show, let us know. Right. <laughs> All right. And... That was it. Walk that dick up. <laughs> Lock that dick up. Yeah. Bye, bitches. Bye. It's been good. You have to say bye. Bye. <laughs> Bonsoir. Bend your knees. Bend your knees. Lift your buttocks out. Put your hands on your knees. And we're going to bend to the front, to the counter form. Here we go. Front, two, three, four. Go.